In episode 60 of Into the Unknown, Yushuan and I, yes, it's just the two of us again this week, go into a critique of Stoicism. Now, to preface this podcast episode, we are both big advocates of Stoicism, but we find that it's important to understand both sides of the coin. And so we thought it would be a fun idea to go into some of the problems that we have found, or at least I bring Yushuan some of the problems that he that I have found in Stoicism. He digs up some of his old philosophy and ethics information from when he graduated university. Good to know that that King's degree is coming. Um, is actually being put to good use. And all that and a little bit more in this episode. So enjoy and we'll catch you in the next one. Welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. We have hit a couple milestones at the moment. We are on episode 60. This will be recording episode, episode 60. Um, we are also going to be trialing, putting out a video. So this, hopefully, if you are listening to this, you'll also be able to see it on Spotify because we're going to try and uh, do it in one take and no edits, even though I barely edit the podcast anyway. Which, very by the way, budget. I was not warned of. You I weren't, would have no. done Would have done my hair and makeup and picked a better background. I'm in bed, you know, in my jammies. Yeah. But I'm a naturally good-looking guy. I mean, so, you are, yeah, you are. No, it's, um, it's, I mean, it could be worse. It could be worse. Um, and I'm surprised that your your IKEA furniture can support your massive ego. Um, <laughs> Amazon, actually. Amazon, Even Amazon and B and Q. So yeah, and uh, we just uh, actually reached over three thousand plays or downloads, which is great. That's actually doubled from last year. So uh, thank you so much to everyone who continues to listen. Uh, and continues to tune in and so um, on rewind 3000 downloads that's insane yeah 3000 plus we're over bearing 3, in mind we're just we're just doing this thing just for got fun. some pretty cool guests but we're just doing this just for fun talking to each other talking to other people and here you all are just listening to our voices so absolutely. thank you for listening and uh thank you for the support absolutely um so one of the very common themes that we have discussed over the last couple of years, I guess, um, this is obviously season two, year two, uh, was the kind of underlying theme or general theme of stoicism and how that has an impact in psychological advice, um, the fact that you don't necessarily have to be perfect uh, and, and the ability to kind of achieve a state of peace or contentment and going into the kind of dichotomy of control. Now, this episode is not necessarily about what stoicism is. What we want to try and do is provide a little bit of context into how stoicism can obviously help because it has helped tremendously. It's helped myself and I'm sure it's helped you, Shwam, as well in the past and will continue to in the future. We want to kind of give a little bit more of a slightly different sided argument in in the form of a critique of stoicism now before we get into this podcast i as i just alluded to i'm a huge advocate for stoicism but one of the common themes that i find is that people very much struggle to translate what stoicism is about and what it teaches you into how do you actually put that into practice mm. and there's a very big difference between the theory uh to to the practice and that's kind of what we want to go into at this point now we've spoken about journaling and we've spoken about meditation those are obviously two great things um and although we may touch on that later on predominantly what we want to try and achieve in this episode is to kind of go over six sort of common well not six but a few kind of common problems um to just just make people think a little bit more outside of the box so it's not just you know stoicism is a great thing but we want to make sure that we are being well-rounded in uh, in this podcast and we're not just huge advocates of stoicism we're actually giving you a, a critique so i guess uh 
I guess I'll introduce what stoicism is. If if some people have tuned in and they're like, I've literally never heard you speak about stoicism before. <laughs> um, Which I suppose we've not actually spoken about stoicism. No, on this not, podcast, not... I don't think. You're obviously a massive advocate of stoicism and practitioner. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are talking to the Stoic Strength Systems CEO. Um, so yeah, I mean, you you crack on. You you tell us what it is. All right. So basically, in a nutshell, Stoicism uh, is is a school of philosophy that was originated in Greece. It was founded by a philosopher known as Zeno um, of Citium, which is based in, always based in Athens, and it's been practiced for, at least to our knowledge, around two thousand years. How people know that, I do not know. But from teachings and readings, that's what they've managed to divulge. Uh, essentially, it's the kind of the theme of Stoicism is it's useful and relevant for individuals seeking uh, fulfillment in their life and, and having meaning to their life. Um, and it kind of integrates ideas from both philosophy as well as kind of now modern day psychology. Um, for me, I generally tend to find that it allows me to achieve like contentment and focusing on what I can control. Uh, a lot of Stoics go into this idea of the dichotomy of control of essentially these are the things that you can control versus these are the things that you can't control. Um, and I think there's a lot of power in that. The fact that it's not necessarily about not feeling emotions. It's just trying to, it's trying to remain neutral um, amongst things that you cannot control, i.e. you fall off your horse. Yes, you could control it, but you, to some extent, can't control the environment. You can't control the course. You can't control the weather. You can't, to some extent, you can't control the horse's temperament on the day um and and all those kind of things right so but what you can control is you can control how you ride the horse you can control your your control of the horse you can control making sure that everything is tight on the saddle um and blah blah blah, blah. so that's kind of the dichotomy of control is if that was if, good if, that was a good uh good way of conceptualizing it to to me yes absolutely and so <laughs> basically there the dichotomy of control is we can control internal events but we will not be able to control external events but we can control our reactions to them so for example if you get on a subway and someone starts shouting at you you can't you can't control the situation you know, he's just shouted at you or they've just shouted at you. But what you can control is your reaction to that. Do you decide to get angry? Do you decide to shy away? Do you decide to defuse the situation? Um, you know, so that is within your control to some extent. Um, and so in that regard, it practicing that will give you kind of contentment and learning to understand that it's okay that you can't control everything and it's okay to feel these emotions um, and it gives you a kind of signature back to, okay, so this person shouted at me, but why did I react that way? And that's what I find journaling is super useful for is going back through that and being like, I wrote this down, but like, why did that, that person shouting at me make me angry? Because it might not just be the fact that they shouted at me. It might be that I had other things going on throughout the day or maybe it triggers a certain emotion that i'd had buried within me from years years past you know whatever it might be and obviously everyone is is very very different um and yeah so i guess it, it for me it's like it's a good perspective on life that's kind of in a very very quick nutshell um essentially what stoicism at least to my knowledge and there's lots of other people out there who are far more knowledgeable than me in terms of stoicism, what stoicism is about. Um, now, we touched on a few things within that, right? And I want to preface this and say, as much as I'm a bit advocate for stoicism, it's not perfect. 
And there are some problems that I generally see within people. Um, mm. So I'm going to go with the first one and then we can discuss it. The first thing I spoke about was kind of stoicism emphasizing this dichotomy of control. So the things that we can control and the things that we can't control. The difficulty with that, and I'd love to get your opinion on this before we kind of go through the next point, is that the thing that stoicism seems to do is that it seems to ignore those things on a continuum of what we can influence but not control. For example, this is a very, very big scope, but world peace, right? We can't control it. it. We, can't, it. we can't control it, but we can have an influence on whether we decide I want to do X, Y, and Z that would lead to world peace or not. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that you could probably relate that to a lot of different things in terms of it. the dichotomy of control essentially is ignoring what we can influence, but what we can't control. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. First of all, I'm getting some pretty strong flashbacks of my uh, days as a philosophy undergrad. And I think Stoicism must have been one of the first things that we studied as a first year philosophy student in our Greek philosophy module. And um, one of the I remember one of the first things that our lecturer said was that in ancient Western philosophy, as well as ancient Eastern philosophy, the first kind of known philosophies to be still practiced and taught today were what you would now see in self-help books and i think that's so true you know i think that the early forms of philosophy in, all around the world have been just self-help and i think a lot of that comes from a place of that's what it was there for that's what that was the utility of what we now call philosophy and that was what sort of thinkers did back then they they taught people how to think and taught people how to kind of live their life. So I think a lot of, I'll go back to your point, but I think a lot of um, just more generally and broadly speaking, a lot of say, for example, in Stoicism, teachings in Stoicism are based on or sort of with the intention of helping people live their lives or helping people kind of maximize their lives. And so what you talk about with sort of the dichotomy of things you can control and things you can't control and, you know, focusing on the things you can control, I think that is, I mean, I, I know that that is something that in psychology, for example, that is something that psychologists and, and, and therapists and people like that would quite often try to sort of influence their, their, um, their clients or their or their patients with and that sort of thing and you know i think it's a it's an interesting one because you talk about you use the example of world peace um and i happen to know that in zeno's republic there was a, a bit where he said something about because it, i think it gets quite confused and this is where it gets a little bit complicated but you know i don't think he makes it that clear a distinction of things you can control and things that you can't control i think there is that sort of idea that you know there are things that you can influence and it's like you say a spectrum uh, and you do certain things and it might lead to lead a little bit more to a, a different outcome and with world peace i think he touches on that in republic and about this sort of ideal stoic society mm -hmm. and he says something about the ideal stoic society is built on the understanding that we're all connected to each other um because of our capacity for reason and that sort of thing and so let me just pulled up a quote uh evil consists in injustice and cruelty and indifference to a neighbor's trouble 
while virtue is brotherly love and goodness and justice and beneficence and concern for the welfare of one's neighbor right so i think it's more to the point is that in a world there's evil and there's virtue and yeah if you follow a virtuous life that he describes um that those actions and those virtues lead to a better world anyway mm -hmm. um so it's it's funny it's interesting that you mentioned world peace because that links quite well with that anyway in the you know i think he's kind of aware that there are things you, you know your actions and what you do influence the people around you and the greater sort of community and society around you and so the best way to kind of strive for a good society or or yeah world peace or whatever is to to live your best self yeah to do what you yeah. can yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think that's that's a great point and was is that plato republic no uh, zeno's I'm, republic oh zeno um yeah i think that's a really good really good point to bring up and I, the reason i wanted to touch on that one first is because i think a lot of people focus on as you just mentioned a, a lot of psychology is predominantly focus on what you can uh what you can control and everything else is obsolete and we've actually spoken about that before you know in, in a couple of podcasts and we've spoken about it off air as well as like you know there's certain things that you will be able to control certain things that you can't but it's also important to understand that the there might come a time where we might be able to influence that, but we're not going to be able to control those scenarios. And that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, within the context of, <laughs> you know, so solving world peace, like you just mentioned, as long as we're doing our best and we're doing what we think is right or just within the moral virtues, which is another point that I want to bring up then that's all that we can do, you know? Um, yeah. Or is it? Is that all that we can do? Is, think, it, is it, it? I think it's, um, there's sort of the, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I, I think quite often it's misinterpreted as promoting the sense of sort of apathy towards, towards, bigger issues or issues greater than yourself and your own life and sort of towards the outside world because it could be kind of interpreted interpreted as like look um just focus on yourself and do the things that you can do and you can control and then fuck everything else but <laughs> you know i think that's not what they had in mind um to be honest and i think that people who interpret it that way don't have the full reading of of stoicism and um the stoic sort of teachings because it very much does have in mind sort of how your actions affect other people um mm. equally you know i think it's really true that just from my experience that some that that kind of concept has helped me a lot over the years of sort of focusing on what i can control and not spending heaps of time sort of worrying about everything else and things that i literally have no influence over um because at the end of the day and i'm i'm no sort of psychologist and neuroscientist so i don't technically know if this is true but i'm pretty sure um at least for these purposes we only have a finite amount of of kind of brain power or mm. sort of energy that we can we can use you know and and that's kind of how i go about my day like i'm going to use that amount of energy and 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 put it into things that i can actually control and worry about the things i can control um in everything you know like in training mm -hmm. i just worry about the things I can control, i.e. how much effort I'm putting in, how smart I'm training, am I doing the right things to make myself better, that sort of thing. 
um in you know same thing in competitions and in life as well you know uh, i think relationships is a good one sort of interpersonal relationships um you ultimately have no or very little control over how much how, what other people think of you or what other people are saying about you but what you do have control over is how you behave and how you speak to people and how you how you act towards and around other people and and you know as long as you're worrying about those things and you're you're doing your best with those those things then the rest kind of fall in line whereas if you're spending all this time worrying about like oh am i pleasing so and so or am i have i said the wrong thing to someone or uh, what do they think of me or what are they saying behind my back so like that that leads to nothing because you can't control it um so i think in yeah. that sense it is a real helpful kind of rule or concept to kind of guide your life around you know i think it's really yeah. helped me um with with kind of how i sort of prioritize what i spend my time and energy on yeah and i think that's a really valid point to, to bring up as well like you know to go back to the point that i made at the very start we're not here to discourage people from practicing stoicism i myself am a practicer and practitioner of stoicism so but this is just for us to think a little bit more broadly and also for us to challenge each other because just because someone tells you that this is a good thing doesn't necessarily mean that you have to believe them you know like and i found this to be so true about almost everything is when you're young you're told what to do and how to do certain things. But as you get older and you develop your own opinions, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, you begin to understand that actually there are generally always two sides to an argument. Mm. You know, just because someone has told me that I need to eat five fruit and vegetables a day doesn't necessarily mean that that's actually true. Right? It might not be true. So it, it, even whether, regardless of whether I will do that or not, it doesn't mean I don't have to question it because I still yeah. eat five fruit and vegetables a day because it's been ingrained into my life for the last 20, 29 years of my life when my parents were told to eat five fruit and veg a day. And so they shoveled that information to me. And so they would have no reason to question that, right? But why? Why, why shouldn't we question that? It doesn't mean it's going to lead to anything. It just means that it's good to be open-minded with some things. I want to bring out a point that I was going to bring up later on, actually, um, which was about whether, whether you think that the, going back to the dichotomy of control, um, whether you think that that's been influenced by modern day society in terms of do you think that comparative to reading some of the old textbooks, meditations, Republic, and, and so on and so forth, like, do you think that that has changed drastically from when those were written and the stuff that they had to go through and the, the lack of distraction, for want of a better word, versus in today's society? You know, I personally feel that it's much harder to have or to decide to have that control because we are influenced in so many different ways, predominantly through social media. That's interesting. That is interesting. I, uh, explain more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I'll give you two examples, right? Let's say I'm Connor Aurelius and I was born in the Hello, year Connor Aurelius. 56 AD, right? I have a house and a vineyard and I'm in the Roman army and uh, that's pretty much it. I've got a wife, two kids, you know, I don't have an iPad. I've got a, a fire. I've got a cow i've got a vineyard to look after and sometimes when julius caesar well obviously i was marcus Aurelius, so i was the emperor but um i marcus aurelius sends a uh a, a letter to my house and goes we need you to fight 
the Gauls in the in the army as we're taking over so and so, right? That really, like, how many things it, within that do I have control over? I have control over my farm. I have control over my crops. I've control. I was about to say I have control over my wife. I, I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I can control my happiness with kids and the wife and blah 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 blah. But the only thing really that I don't have influence over is the letter that Marcus Aurelius sends to me on a horse and says, "You need to fight for my army." Now. I want to fast forward that and we have Connor in 2023 who has multiple social media accounts has to worry I would argue far more because of this capitalist and consumerist society that we live in here we go um <laughs> oh god he's opened a fucking box of worms never mind just a can um yeah Essentially, what I'm saying is that I feel like there are far more influences in that could potentially deter what is actually within my control versus what I would have had back in AD 56. Do you get what I mean? Uh, I do get what you mean. I think the context is are, the contexts are different. Mm. I think in both scenarios and this is kind of when i rip um stoicism a little bit or sort of general kind of dogmatic style of philosophy is that yeah very much so like the contexts aren't taken into consideration um you know you you guys the listeners you might might not have read stoicism but maybe you've read Jordan Peterson, the modern day stoic, <laughs> <laughs> the modern day spokesperson for stoicism. Um, and, you know, when he says one of the five rules of life is to make your bed, right? It's much easier for me to make my bed than, you know, I, I can wake up and I can have 20 minutes to make my bed without worrying about anything else before I start my day. It's much easier for me to make my bed than, I don't know, someone who's got four jobs and a family to feed. And it's easier for them to make their bed than someone who doesn't have a bed, right? I mean, that's um, that's the context of, of, and I think that is equally true today as it is uh, if you apply it to, you know, 56 AD. Um, that you know and i don't want to kind of discredit or sort of diminish any of this because it's a tough one but i think a lot of a lot of what we try to talk about in philosophy or or in sort of this kind of world of self-help or the self-help version of psychology, for example, it whether we realize it or not, the fact that we can spend so much time thinking and talking about this is a luxury. You know, I would it, agree with that. The fact that we don't have the same worries or the same levels of worries, be it financial, physical, emotional, you know, health worries as other people who might have a lot more of that and just don't have that again finite amount of time and energy to be worrying about like oh am i following my virtues like man's just trying to get fed <laughs> yeah. um do you know what i mean and, and <laughs> i think kind of related to that and i don't know if that's this was going to be one of your later critiques but i've not read your plan this is very uh, free-flowing um is the I think similar to a lot of actually a lot of kind of I don't want to say just Greek philosophy but a lot of sort of more dogmatic style philosophy is that in Stoicism a lot of the teachings and a lot of the quotes that especially the ones that are famous that are now just taken out of context and used all the time in like Instagram memes 
um, is that um, I think a lot of it doesn't sort of take into account hu like human nature. You know, I yeah. can read something and have a totally res different response to how you read it. And it's easy. I think it puts a lot of sort of emphasis on being rational and, and, and using reason as your guiding source of, of thinking to lead your life. But then I think it sort of forgets the fact that or, or doesn't accept the fact that a lot of how our our thinking is sort of led or or sort of directed is through our emotions you know through how we feel about certain things and and those two can link as well i don't want to get too sort of yeah yeah conceptually you know philosophical but i think you're okay david hume for example argued that your emotions lead your rational thinking it's not the other way around so for example something like where you prioritize um what you want to achieve and then you rationalize it so for example and it's funny because you mentioned as well like control of your wife for example um you might have a real strong desire to have control over your wife right so that might be something that you really desire to have control over and that instead of that being in this category of things you can't control you want that to be in the category of things you can control and there's nowhere really in the teachings that say that that's wrong right yes. and so if you are able to kind of rationalize that then everything fits around that and everything fits around okay like i have to do my very best to be able to control my wife when she criticizes me for example um do you know what i mean like i think yeah i know exactly what you mean that's too also much some... too much kind yeah. of emphasis on just reason and rational thinking yeah. alone without kind of giving credit to the rest of the sort of human psyche as it were yeah i think that's also important like i've i've noticed that a lot with kind of classical philosophy greeks and roman philosophy versus say like you know I, I don't want to say it's like a modern day philosophy but people like victor frankl um and psychology that we kind of go into now like i have a dream about my mum, and that means that you know something to do with my mum. if you get what i mean those those kind of things <laughs> but like class classical philosophy and you actually, I actually wrote this down on a piece of paper that I wrote is that an example could be, it, it would be great if I can control my partner. Therefore, I absolutely must be able to when he or when she criticizes me. But like that taken out of context and also the fact that that's actually failing to identify the root of that emotional disturbance. It's just, it, all it's telling me to do is just control what I can it's not actually like it's not actually dissecting why why do i feel like i need have to do that where is that coming from so i know i completely agree with you and actually we touched on like two or three points there as well which i think i won't need to go too much more into but you did a fantastic point of of summarizing that as well and also here i was something... thinking that my philosophy degree was wasted no, you smashed it. Like you, <laughs> but this is why I thought it would be interesting. It's something that I've wanted to do actually for a long time. Um, was you know that I'm a massive advocate for stoicism, and and I've I, you know, I learned actually I learned stoic practices through CBT, and so I mm. think it's a. And for those that don't know CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, I think it's a a really important context that i wasn't just learning stoicism through readings and teachings let's not forget that everything that you read from marcus aurelius is literally a letter to himself mm. so outside of the context of marcus aurelius it, it literally means nothing because it's just his thoughts and his ponderings 
So what we're essentially telling everyone to do is, well, why don't you just do what Marcus Aurelius did? And it's like, well, yeah, that's great and all, but I'm not an emperor in the Roman army. I'm not writing to myself. I don't have 16 wives. You know, like the context is entirely different. So I think it's a really important a point that you made up. Um, not made up, but you know what I mean? <laughs> a, a really important point. Yeah, just made up, bro. <laughs> um yeah so that that was kind of the the biggest one that i wanted to start with was this the kind of the context behind that and the dichotomy of control um another thing i want to bring up was stoics or stoicism kind of talks about this idea of moral virtue so they have they have four virtues um and one of them is kind of morality or sort of justice as it were and there's there can be loads of different virtues you know honesty courage compassion whatever the hell you want but predominantly the stoics have four and one of the things that i think i've noticed recently is this idea of like having morality or like moral virtue and i'm sure that you can shed a light on that um but essentially, like the way that I understand it is that moral virtue is is a quality or or like a state of your character uh, where you sort of find basically it's like a good action and good purposes or intentions. So it's a difference between your action and your your intention. Um, and I want to figure out where I want to go from through this, but uh, basically it's like a persistent pattern of behavior and a thought rather than kind of like an emotion or or physical characteristic. And I think one thing that I've noticed with stoicism is that it tells you that moral virtue is necessary and sufficient for happiness. Mm. But one critique that I have is that, Moral virtue doesn't cure depression. Mm. Like you saying that you're morally virtuous and you have to have that to be happy, that's not, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it just, that won't cure depression. Like it won't cure anything really. Like it's not, it, it goes back to the point that you made is that it's not really getting to the root cause of the problem. It's, it lacks context. You know, saying something like, I don't even know, I couldn't can't even think of a of a uh, an example off the top of my head, but do you see where I'm kind of going with this? I do. I do. I do. And I I, I take your point. This is maybe where I want to give a little bit of credit to to our boy Zeno, our boy Aurelius, <laughs> in the I think I think what it's a tough one because I see exactly what you mean. It, it, you know, it's doing all these things won't make you necessarily happy or it won't necessarily kind of strip you from your already predisposed kind of mental state as it were. And, and I think whilst that may be true, there are things that kind of, and I'm not, again, I'm no expert in this, in in the field of sort of psychology and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think when we talk about things like, uh, for example, in the, in the virtues of, of kind of being integral to yourself, you know, being honest, uh, giving back, doing things, serving other people, mm. there are actions within those that kind of, give back to you make yourself feel pretty good um and on the flip side of that there, there's also a part where i think it was i think it was aurelius uh, i could be wrong um but you know i'm not being graded right now so uh, <laughs> a man separates himself from his neighbor by his own hatred or rejection not realizing that he has thereby severed himself from the wider society of fellow citizens. So, you know, 
in that sense, there's that recognition that we are part of something greater. You know, we are part of a wider community, a wider universe. And a part of what makes us happy is, you know, bringing all of that together. And by following those virtues, we then take away things like hatred. We then take away things like, you know, anger, rejection uh, in this day and age. Back then as well, um, you know, bigotry, racism, misogyny, all of those things. And that in itself, in essence, kind of brings us all closer together as a, a community and then elevates each of us. I think that was kind of the the sort of direction that the teachings were going at. And I, I think in that sense, there is value in that, in sort of realizing that there, there are actions within those virtues that would generally lead to a better sense of well-being. Yeah, that's really nicely put, actually. And I think it, it's a good point to make because, again, like, I, at least from my understanding, you're kind of speaking at it from the point of, like, you need to understand how you fit into the society and how what you do in your actions and your moral virtues will make people react to and mm. to understand that it's not necessarily just it's not necessarily just understanding what those virtues are and what you hold yourself for you know like whether you be honest or courageous or compassionate mm. yeah you could have all of those things but just saying that you have those doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually you actually show those that you are mm. actually providing those to even within just your inner circle, you know, rather than the outside world for say, um, yeah. you know, the people that you want to provide those, those moral virtues to. Um, one thing that I just mentioned, which for me really was the last point that I wanted to bring up. And I'm sure that this was predominantly the theme of, what I actually wanted to go into was I have often struggled to take what I have learned or what Marcus Aurelius teaches us um, or Seneca or Zeno, whoever you, whoever you enjoy reading, even if it's the old school guys like Plato, whatever, Aristotle, like doesn't even matter who you read. You can get so many different like teachings from those guys, but I've often struggled to to learn what they teach you to do and then put into action what those teachings are telling me to do. Mm. And I think for me, that is the biggest, I wouldn't necessarily say call it a critique, but it's it's kind of understanding like it's all well and good understanding that you have stuff within your control and stuff that you can't control but how do you get to the point of first realizing what's within your control and what's not and then secondly how do you flip the switch from going from thinking that nothing is within your control to now going actually i can control certain things because it's not it's not as easy as people make it seem mm. it's not as easy as me going like i don't like big crowds right okay if you don't like big crowds that's fine what can you control within those big crowds or one i don't have to go outside that's not really solving the problem is it <laughs> i know that's a very drastic you know, again, it lacks context and I'm trying to go like a, a polar opposite, but like a second, maybe more viable option might be, well, then slowly introduce yourself into those crowds. So you have this idea of um, exposure therapy, you know, like mm. if you get scared of something, you're trying to expose yourself to very small doses until you get to the point where it no longer becomes as big of a problem. 
you know mm. and obviously there's a sliding scale it's not always linear especially with things like psychology um and i just it's, it's very difficult to go from like one point to the other it's it's not the same as say I approach this from the idea of like being a strength coach and and trying to take someone from point A to point B and although yes it's not very linear it's far easier to track that progress than it might be if I were to say to someone like you know someone who say has depression or anxiety or social anxiety and they really don't ever want to go outside and you're saying to them okay well that's you know, like, let's try and work on that. Like, if it's something that you want to do, if it's if you've identified that you want to take a step outside and, and you're comfortable with doing that, what makes you not want to go outside? So you figure that all out. Okay, what are the things you can control? What are the things you can't control? You can't control how many people are outside. Um, you know, you can't control how they're going to react. You can control how you might react to those those people, potentially. You know, maybe not so easy. But that's the point is like, how do I control that? If I'm not mm. taught how to control that, how do I actually, how do I actually employ the dichotomy of control? Mm. You know, do you see, do you see what I'm getting at? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> uh, practice. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think you've outlined it pretty clearly, you know, it's, it's not flipping a switch. It's gradual. It's maybe a little bit nonlinear. It's over time, you know, you, and that's, that's the case with, with anything, you know, there's a, there's a gap between understanding something conceptually and being able to apply it. And the gap in the middle is, is practice. And that's anything, you know, you, you're a strength coach and, 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 you know, understanding all the biomechanics and levers required and all of those things to execute a deadlift doesn't mean that you can deadlift until you can apply it to a deadlift. And, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I love deadlifting, so I'm going to use this example. Um, and what's a bit in the middle? It's just deadlifting, like it's just practicing right and it's practicing those things that you've learned that you've kind of understood conceptually putting that into practice and then thereby being able to apply that to yourself and then you can deadlift right um and then go you know going back to say the dichotomy of control it's like well yeah it's all well and good to know that to identify all, all these things I can control and all these things that are out of my control. Um, you know, when I'm at a competition, I can quite easily sort of even sat here, like identify, okay, things I can control, what I do on the horse, you know, what's going on in my head? Like, what am I saying to myself? Um, the effort I put in, uh, the list can go on. And then the things I can't control to a list that's maybe four or five times longer the weather the ground conditions how the horse might react to certain things blah blah but like that doesn't mean that i'm able to apply that and actually be my most kind of zen self in competition and just focus on the things i can control i can get distracted i get nervous like things affect me you know i see things happening i see someone fall off maybe and that throws me a little bit the bit in between is practicing mm -hmm. like sh reshifting your focus and your energy into okay think about what what i need to do right now what's my plan you know like am i putting all the effort in um yeah i you know it's 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 practice and uh we've probably spent <laughs> we spent an hour you know talking about stoicism and things like that and i think one of the best quotes I like from Stoicism. I see you grinning. I, I think that you know what it's going to be. And it's uh, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, be one. Um, uh, and yeah. that, you know, that essentially, essentially kind of rounds it all up. It's uh, do it, just practice it and do it and, and you'll be good. And 
I, I also want to quickly sort of caveat that with we struggle you know you and i struggle everyone else i'm sure struggles with putting those practices and sort of putting those teachings into action and practicing it so did they yeah. you know like uh, you know, aristotle you mentioned you know he's all about virtues and he talks about the virtues of compassion and integrity and equality and justice man had slaves like this guy was a slave owner like big time um (laughs) you know but that's i'm not trying to cancel him but it's sort of everyone there is always going to be that gap between sort of recognizing what good is or, or having an understanding of you know what you want morality to be or the kind of person you want to be there's always going to be a gap between that and actually being able to do that and you know we just kind of kind of try our best to be honest yeah absolutely i think you rounded that off really well and that i was actually going to say that quote right at the end because i think one thing that stoicism does miss out on especially if you are reading it for the first time is understanding that it's all well and good talking and reading but you have to take action and whether that might be you know, you just mentioned that it's not the flick of the switch. The way that I was explained to it when I started reading into it and then, you know, even now was that it's less of a, of a switch and more of like a volume button where you can turn it up and you can turn it down, mm. you know? Um, and I quite like that because there's some days where you might feel far more positive about the outlook of life and there's days where you don't. And that's absolutely natural. It's absolutely normal. Um and on those days, you maybe just need to turn turn the volume down a little bit, you know, and then when you're ready, you turn it back up. But at least you've taught yourself how to deal with that. And, and you've hopefully you've recognized and taken action. Um, so, yeah, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be. Be one. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Into the Unknown. If you enjoyed it and you enjoyed our audio and our visuals because hopefully this will be a video now on Spotify, then please let us know, and we will catch you in the next episode of Into the Unknown. Peace and prosperity.